Jesus, my heavenly Father, King of the heavens, you are. Loving and caring, forgiving, you are the Lord of my heart, Lord of my heart, Savior divine. You shed your blood, suffered and died, giving me life, you gave your all, Lord of my heart. Jesus, my wonderful Savior, King of all kings, rule on high, Lord of all glory forever, you are the Lord of my life, Lord of my heart, Savior divine, you shed your blood, suffered and died, giving me life, you gave your all, Lord of my heart. Jesus, my rock of salvation, my refuge, my fortress, my God, Hope of the world and of nations, you are the Lord of my heart, Lord of my heart, Savior divine. You shed your blood, suffered and died, giving me life, you gave your all, Lord of my heart. Lord of my heart, Savior divine, you shed your blood, suffered and died, giving me life, you gave your all, Lord of my heart. Amen. Thank you. That's one of my favorite duets right there. How long have you been singing with Nicole, Silas? Oh, okay. It's good. Christian music is unique, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's unique, um, you know, in, in comparison to the world's music, for sure, but it's also... Well, it's, it's, it's unique compared to all other religions' music as well. And we know that the reason why is because Christian music is about our, our relationship with our Lord. It is, it is, it is totally unique. Um, you think of, uh, of you know, the, the, the melody and, and the words that go into to Christian music. It, it's, it's, it's unlike any other music that I've ever found. Um, and sometimes when people are first exposed to it, I think it's, it's like, wow. Never really heard anything like that before, um, and I think there's good reason for that. Is, is because uh, you know the spirit of of God 
um, does give us a, a new song and a song that, uh, that exalts Him and gives glory to, to Him. And whatever the message is in our church, whether it's through song or through the Word of God, we always pray that it's clear, that the message is clear. It's very important when we're dealing with the gospel and, and the truth of, uh, of the Lord that it be clear. And so we'll try to be clear uh, and, and through the Bible as well uh, this morning. And we've been working a little bit uh, on the theme and some memory work to go along uh, with that. And so we're in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. You're probably right onto it uh, now. Maybe you don't even need to open up to it. But if you want to, that's fine too. Ephesians chapter 6. We're starting there in verse uh, 10. Uh, theme as you see up on the wall uh, there. Uh, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Uh, but we'll start at the beginning of that verse. Ephesians uh, 6, 10 uh, down through uh, verse 12. All right. So together. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we'll stop right there. Uh, we'll continue to, to, to work on that. And as we rehearse it throughout the, the year, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have much of that passage uh, uh, very familiar uh, with us. Let's have a word of prayer. The Lord will help us with the message this morning. Lord, I pray that uh, as I preach now, Lord, uh, another thing that's unique to Bible-believing uh, Christians is preaching. And, uh, and Lord, uh, um, we believe in, in, in preaching because it's proclaiming uh, your heart and you, you have chosen to work, uh, as it were, through the foolishness of, of preaching. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, as you uh, work, Lord, as you uh, speak uh, through me, that it would be clear, that it would be with authority and with power uh, that can only reflect your, your word. And so we do ask your help here today, uh, that you would meet each person individually as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you uh, follow the, the, the church uh, page, um, we did post uh, a, kind of an ongoing story starting at the end of December, and it was called Brooklyn's Journey Home. Is anybody here that maybe noticed that, Brooklyn's Journey Home? A few of you followed that on there? Okay, a, a good number of you. And uh, it started uh, with this statement. I'm starting hospice. I recently left my doctor's office with a referral to hospice. Now, this is a very young lady in, in, in her 20s, a uh, beautiful uh, young lady. And, uh, and she's just going to share her story a little bit here. And there, was, uh, there, were, there were frequent updates uh, to this along the way. But it says, over the last two years of battling my connective tissue disorder, a rare disorder that she had, my health has been in a downward spiral. Specialist after specialist has given up or pushed me aside. All treatments have failed. I have fought very hard for a very long time. With much prayer, godly counsel, and medical advice, God has made the way forward clear. It'll soon be time for me to go home. Honestly, I left my doctor's office with a giant smile on my face. My heart is overjoyed in contemplating being in the fullness of God's glory very soon. Conversely, I've been grieving with friends and family as they must prepare to say goodbye. Death is awful, but for the believer, it's just the beginning. We'll start the process of taking me off my medications on January 17th. I will die by the end of February. Please pray for comfort for my grieving family and friends. Please also pray that I'll run the rest of my race well. I desire to run tenaciously until the very end, not lagging in the last miles. 
uh, miles, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Paul states this desire poignantly in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 to 27. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that, uh, that breatheth the air. I, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself shall be a castaway. I will keep you all updated. I'm a writer and have many unfinished words to pen. To pen. I imagine I'll generate a lot of content. Join me on the journey that I am on, the journey of dying. More importantly, join me in running the race the Christian faith uh, gives me. Joy awaits. Do you know that we're all on the journey of dying? I, I don't mean to be depressing at all, but that is, that is a fact. Now, with, with the illness that this young lady, Brooklyn, had, um, they were able to very, to very accurately give her the prognosis that if she went off the medications that were prolonging her life a little longer, they knew enough about this that there was no cure for it. They knew what the time frame was going to be. And so she was, pretty, she was very accurately be able to give the time frame which she would have you know, to, uh, to finish the work that, that the Lord uh, had uh, for her. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, and, and in verse 10, we have a wonderful uh, uh, phrase here. And just remembering our theme for the year, be strong in the Lord, right, and in the power of His might. And so just remembering that theme, we're going to build on that a little more today. And really, I would say, and I know we can say this about a lot of messages, but this is... This is probably one of the most important messages I've ever preached here today. If, if, if we can understand this concept, if we can really take this concept to heart here today, this Bible truth, if we can take this with us in a way that's practical from this point on, or to re maybe renew uh, uh, your mind in relation to this truth if you already have it, to renew your commitment, um, it, it will be transformational. And this was a sad time, uh, uh, really, for, for, for the people and the leadership of Nehemiah here. They, they were really broken with, with the state in which they were in. And uh, they were broken with, uh, with the sorrow of what they had done and, and, uh, and, and the ruin that it had caused. But amidst that, amidst that process of God working in their lives, we see this phrase at the end of the verse. It says this, for the joy of the Lord is your, what's it say? Is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Be strong in the Lord. What is one key way that we can be strong in the Lord? Well, God's Word teaches us here that one way that you can be strong in the Lord, it's a tried and true way, it's a biblical way, is to walk in the joy of the Lord. In the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord can be your strength here today, Christian. It can be your strength. That's a Bible truth. And it was being preached in Nehemiah's day, and I can preach it just as confidently uh, to you today as it was preached in his day. The joy of the Lord, um, I have found, can be my strength. And uh, are there times when I forget that? There certainly are. Are there times when, 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 when tragically I don't uh, take advantage of, of, of this, this strengthening truth? Yes, unfortunately. But that doesn't change the truth of the matter. 
And it doesn't change the, the, the fact that if my mind does go back to this truth, and, and, if, and if I let this, this, this truth take residence in my heart and mind, it will bring me back to, the, to, a part, to, to a place of strength that nothing else can really provide it's a, in, in a very unique way. And, uh, and so it speaks here, it speaks of joy. And, you know, joy, there is a feeling that goes along with it, but it, a, a lot of, a lot of uh, biblical joy has to do with a state of mind. It has, a, it, has, it has to do with a state of mind that is, that is very much bol, uh, bolstered and encouraged by certain truth. And the truth here that undergirds the joy that's be, being spoken of is what we find in our Lord. It's what we find in him. It's, 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 it's sort of like, you know, David, when, when, in, in, in that maybe most well-known of all psalms, you know, when, when he expressed it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> I shall not want. It doesn't leave me with any desire beyond that. Every need that I have ultimately is fulfilled in the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord, he's my shepherd. I shall not want because of that. You know what he was doing right then? Now, David, would you say he had a problem-free life? Not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, sometimes we have problems being married to one person. He married a lot of people. All right, and uh, so you can just imagine all the problems that came with that. And then also, he was the leader of men. And you know, most of these men, they were called David Mighty Men. They were kind of a riff-raff group that had gone through a lot of problems of their own that no one else really wanted to deal with. And they had a lot of issues, so David said, you know, I'm going to use that to my advantage here. I'm going to get all these guys together to sort of have an agenda, and I'm going to give them a common agenda and we're going to fight together for that. That's really what, what happened with these guys, uh, with hundreds of them. Now, can you imagine getting a, a, a hundred, you know, sort of like independent, freewheeling guys together and try to be the leader over them? I mean, I'm just looking out at just, you know, just the number of men we have here today. And you guys are great, but you do come with some issues. All right? No amens there? I thought I'd get at least one. But, uh, you know, so, so you can imagine David and his life. And, and you know what happened with David? Some of the ones that he thought were the closest to him turned against him. The, the, his, 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 his first wife did nothing but criticize and reject him. The king that he wanted to honor wanted to kill him. Threw a spear at him when he was, when he was trying to sing to the, to, to the guy or play his harp. I mean, you study the life of David, and, and it, was, it was a rough life. There was a lot of issues going on. But you know what David said? He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, I'm, I'm going I'm to come back to, I'm going to come back to the joy of the Lord. And he had to do that often. You, and look, read the Psalms. The guy was, was real. Oh, my soul, why are you cast down within me? I'm depressed. My, my enemies are, are, are encircling me. The one I thought I could trust is against me. I got problems. <laughs> I have issues. I don't even know how to deal with half of them. 
But you know, through all that, there is one constant. And the fact is that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You know what he's doing? He was coming back to the strength that we can only find in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And when you think about strength, we think about having the capacity to live victoriously. We think about having the capacity to, to endure. We think about having that which we need just to live life. <laughs> really? When you think of it. And uh, hey, look, you know I, know, I know there's battles represented here. I know because you're just like I am. And, uh, and, and you know, I know, I know because I'm, I'm, I'm your pastor. And I know because I have friends. And, I, and beyond that, I just know because there's people here. And so the th- fact of the matter is, we all need this truth today. We all need to be strong in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's go to Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, you have uh, David at probably his lowest point here. And there was, he, he, had, he, had, uh, um, he had wives and he had, he had uh, concubines and, and uh, he married many, you know, uh, and had these, these women in his life because uh, at that time it was thought to have alliances, you know, that was one way to have alliances with others and to, to form peace and, and it didn't bring a lot of peace to his life, but, uh, um, you know, then he had sons from that. A lot of them were very, were very rebellious. Uh, I can imagine probably the, uh, the, the mothers there probably, you know, kind of tried to, to get their, 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 their boys to the forefront and, and kind of jostling for those positions. He had a lot to deal with all that, that, that stuff. And, uh, and that, that's, that, that's fine. You know, I mean, I can understand. But his men went out to battle. And it was the time really when kings were to go out to battle, but, but David didn't go with his men that time. And instead, probably contemplating, you know, worrying about the battle and worrying about his family problems, worrying about all those issues that kind of bring us to the weakness of the flesh. A time when really we need to decide right then, okay, you know, I, I, I better get my mind stayed upon the Lord here. I better get back to the joy of the Lord, or, you know, because things can, can unravel in a hurry. Look, when those wheels start to, to wobble, you know, those wheels can fall off quickly. Hey, look, I, I've seen situations in people's lives where they were serving the Lord. It's almost like one day they were serving the Lord, they were in church, they were, they were in God's Word, and it's almost like overnight, you know. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, there was things going on in David's heart, I think, that led up to this. But it's almost like overnight, you know, the, the wheels start to wobble and fall off. And, and we have to be on guard. We have to realize we have an enemy, <laughs> You have to realize, you know, the, the, the one who, it says, he, he was a man after God's what? His own heart. Hey, look, just because you see somebody going through issues doesn't mean that they're, they're not a man after the God's own heart. David was. David was. And he was going through a hard time here. And I look at David, I look at others, you know, and sometimes we look at people and think, well, they're having problems, and, they, you know, they must not be a good Christian, and they must not love God. You know, a lot of times I think it's just the opposite. The devil was after David here. And David should have used that you know, time to really you know, stay within the joy of the Lord. The Lord's my shepherd. He's my sufficiency. Instead, he got out there by himself, probably contemplating all of his problems. And you know, as we contemplate our problems and all the, the difficulty that we're going through sometimes, sometimes that's a very dangerous time right there because you think, you know, I, I deserve just a little worldly satisfaction here, a little, little worldly gratification. I'm going through a lot right now. You know, this is... 
and, and, and I, just, I just deserve just a little time of a personal time, you know, relaxation. And then within that, that can, you know, the, sometimes the enemy can take us into places that we have no business being as, 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 as one who, whose heart is generally after the Lord. And that's what happened to David. And he got up there and he looks down and there's this, 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 this woman, Bathsheba. And, and not only you know, should his mind not have lingered and, and I should not have lingered there. I mean, hey, sometimes you see things. What does the Bible say? Abstain from all appearance of those things, right? I mean, was she evil in ourselves? I don't think so. But, but there was something there in his mind, of course, that wasn't his wife. And, 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 and beyond that, you know, there was something that happened at that point, obviously, that led to, to, to very destructive things. Because he didn't abstain from the appearance of that. Evil was after him. That's what that verse means. When something appears that's going to lead you to evil, you've got to get away from that, right? And David didn't do that. He lingered on that. And then something happened in his heart and his mind. And he, he said, I, I want that woman. And he called for her. And it put, I imagine, Bathsheba in a very difficult situation. I mean, she probably, you know, she probably uh, had her uh, uh, part of accountability there as well. But it, it, it fell really on the, on the head of the, and, and the way God dealt with it after that, you can see that the, the bigger responsibility fell upon, upon David. It fell upon him. And one thing led to another, and it was just, yeah, I mean, it's one of the most, you know, just one of the most uh, tragic accounts that we see in the Bible of this, this whole convoluted plan that he came up with because he wanted Bathsheba. Then she, 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 was with, she, she became pregnant, right? And, uh, and then, you know, he was married. She's married to his friend, Uriah, a man who had fought for him and, and been loyal to him. A man who, it turns out, had a lot more... Um, dignity and honor than David had at that time. And I, th I, I believe that Uriah probably knew when he was given those papers to go back, you know, he's going back to the front line. I, th I think he, he had been back and he, you know, he'd, he'd probably heard rumors of, of things. I think he knew what was going on. I just believe that. The Bible doesn't say he did, but I believe he probably did. And, uh, but yeah, anyways, he, he would not, because his, his friends were still out there fighting, right, on the front lines, he wouldn't go into his wife. And that spoiled David's plan because he thinking, if I can get Uriah home and get him a little tipsy and, and get him to go home to his wife, you know, then, then, then we can just make believe that child is his. You see, but he didn't go into his wife because he wouldn't because he, 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 he was thinking about his friends who were out there fighting. And uh, so that part of the plan went south. And so then David, you know, he's still, he does not want to get it right. He's still trying to cover up like we do. And, and uh, he said, okay, you know, then I'm going I'm to tell Joab, my general, I'm going to tell him, hey, look, you know. He actually sent the orders with Uriah. He called Uriah, hey, my friend, take these back to your, your commanding officer. And what Uriah was taking was basically his death warrant. It was the, it was the command to put him in the heat of the battle where, where David knew he was going to die. And that's what David did. Now, it's, it's in that setting, you know, and then, the, and, and then remember the, the prophet, he comes and Nathan shows up and he, and he talks to David. And the prophet talks to David and tells him an account of a man, you know, who lost and somebody took advantage and, and took his only sheep and so on. And David gets all indignant and says, you know, hey, show me who that is and bring him in here because I'm the big shot king and I'll take care of him. And Nathan pointed at him and said, you're the man. You're that guy. And all of a sudden, David, the full realization of what he had done came upon him. And so Psalm 51, 
is, is just him taking all these things into account. It's, the, it's one of the Psalms in which he's dealing with all this and coming back to God through it. And look what it says here in Psalm 51, verse 8. It says, make me to hear. This is, this is astounding in, in the, under these circumstances. Make me to hear. I, I, I've lost track of this, Lord. I haven't processed this lately. I haven't been taking this into account. This isn't what's been coming into my mind. Lord, would you help me right now? Make me to hear, even in these circumstances at this time, in this time of brokenness, make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Oh, David is broken before God. He's realized the magnitude of what he's done. He's an adulterer now. He's a murderer now. This man that was after God's own heart. And it's as if his very bones are broken. And he's saying, God, I need to get back to that place of strength. The only place I can do that is, is back in you. Is, is in the joy and gladness that I can only get from you. And he says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I'm coming back to that place, Lord, where I'm recognizing a new and a fresh way that you are all I need. And I forgot about that. And I got in big trouble because of that. But Lord, I'm, I'm seeing that in a fresh way right now. Would you bring me back to joy and gladness that can only be found in your presence? And he says this in verse 12. Restore unto me, look at the next word here, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a free spirit. Now look, if there was any place in the Bible where it would be fitting to say, restore unto me my salvation, this would be it right here. Would you agree with that? A man who supposedly was, you know, believed in God and, and knew the, the promise of the Messiah, he was a believer. He was saved. <laughs> and if anybody would have lost his salvation, it would be an adulterer and a murderer, right? What's it say here, though? It doesn't say, restore unto me my salvation. It says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And he hadn't lost his salvation, but he sure had lost the joy of his salvation. He sure had lost that. Do you ever find yourself in that place, Christian? I mean, you think, you know, uh, hey, people, you know, Christians, they just sin and, and, uh, and everything is fine still. I mean, where's, where's, where's the justice in that? That is not the case with a Christian. Look, a sinning, a willfully sinning Christian is a miserable Christian. I can tell you one thing, they're not in the joy of the Lord. They may be in the joy of the gratifi uh, gratification or whatever they're choosing to do at that moment, but they're not in the joy of the Lord. And when that gratification wears off and the guilt sets in and the separation of, of the of fellowship they could be having with the Lord sets in and they're brought to this place of realizing that they're not experiencing the joy of the Lord, when that sets in, the only recourse that we have at that point, and it is a recourse which David had, is to get back to that place. Hey, look, some of you, you need to get back to that place, Christian. You need to get back to the place of the joy of your salvation. And the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of things that try to steal that joy. There's a lot of things that want to, you know, get you away from that. 
They get your mind away from that. And there's a lot of things that they, they want you to, to you know, they, they try to get you to, to not walk in joy. But listen, all the problems that you have in this world compared to the fact that you're saved and you're going to heaven for eternity, that God has totally taken care of forgiveness of sin, eternal life on your behalf, how do they compare? When you're really focusing on what Jesus did for you, His finished work and what that provided, everything that you have in Christ, when you're really focusing upon that, all else pales in comparison. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know what can be your strength in a unique way that nothing else can really do for you? If you just stop and say, hey, you know, I, I know that, hey, man, it seems like I'm, uh, you know, money. It's like the, it's like the faucet is dripping, but the, the uh, you know, the, the, the plug has come out of the drain, you know, and so the drain's going, and the, and, the, and the faucet's just dripping, you know, for me financially right now. You ever feel like that? You know, it's like, okay, you know, dollars drip, 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 but then it's like, you know. Okay, so you can focus on that, or you can stop for a moment and say, I'm still saved. <laughs> I still have the joy of my salvation. I'm still going to a place where all preparations have been made for eternity, and everything's covered, and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's blood-bought, it's paid for, and nothing can ever take away from me. An inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. That's what the Bible teaches. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And at that moment, you know, where somebody's not treating me the way that I feel to be, that I need to, to be treated, uh, where, where, where uh, I'm struggling in relationships, where there, there's something going on that's discouraging me, and I just feel beat down, and everything in life maybe even feels like it's conspiring against me. Hey, look, let everything in this temporal life conspire against me, but let me know in the face of all that that I have the joy of my salvation. And when that isn't happening, and I get back to that, I got the same prayer as David. Lord, Lord would, you, would you restore unto me the joy of my salvation? When I'm walking in the guilt of some bad decisions that I've made, I've sinned against God and against others. Lord, cast me not away from your presence. Help me to sense your Holy Spirit in a new, fresh way. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me, Lord. Uphold me. And uh, what, a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a context in which we find David um, saying this. And, uh, you know, there's things that, that steal our joy. Sin steals our joy. Sin has stolen David's joy. Sin steals your joy, Christian. You know, the sin will make you, you know, when you willfully sin and you, and you succumb to temptation in your life, things you know, you know, you shouldn't be messing with and attitudes you might have, and the things you're looking at, things you, uh, places you're going, whatever the case may be. Substance abuse, I don't know. You know, when we get into to any of those things willfully, it, it, it steals our joy as a Christian. It does. And uh, it'll make you feel like you're not even saved. You know why people struggle with, with assurance of salvation at times? It's because they're messing around with sin. Right? And the devil's saying, hey, look, you know, you're going to act like that. There's no way you're saved. But David didn't say, restore unto me my salvation. He said, restore unto me, Lord, the joy of my salvation as I repent before you, as I take responsibility, as I get these things right. Sin will steal your joy. Selfishness will steal your joy. It'll steal your joy probably quicker than anything. That's the way it is for me. 
You know when I get grumbling and complaining and get a, you know, get a bad spirit is when I'm self-centered. It's really true. If I can instead get my eyes back up and, you know, onto, onto my beautiful Savior, onto my sweet Jesus has done everything for me and, and, and uh, has given me this life, He's sustained this life, and he's, He really has given me a lot of blessings if I just stop and slow down and count them a little bit. Instead of you know, just focusing on this handful of, 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 of frustrations, you know, looking at the blessings that I have because of what Jesus has done for me, wow, you know, there's usually no comparison. And uh, selfishness will steal our joy. Seeking satisfaction apart from the Lord steals our joy. That's what David did. He was self-centered there. He sinned, and he sought satisfa satisfaction apart from the Lord. You know, the, the, the man after God's own heart. You know what that meant? Was that, that generally speaking, David was an individual who sought satisfaction only in his relationship with the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. But when that was interrupted, he became just about one of the most miserable men on the planet. And seeking satisfaction apart from the Lord steals our joy. And then setting our affections on things below uh, steals our joy. Because man... A lot of what defines us is us scurrying around looking for gratification in everything except the God that created us. You know, why, why do people, why do they, why do they put these, these, these uh, foreign substances into their body and abuse their own bodies in that way? Because they're looking for gratification in, in other things. You know, they're, they're, they're setting their mind on things here below. You know, why do they turn to, um, to graphic images instead of that which God has designed beautiful in its place in, 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 his, in his time. Well, because they're just setting, they're, they're, they're turning to gratification here, here on earth. It's, it'll steal their joy, though, see? Because you think, this is what the devil says. Hey, look, try this and you'll be fulfilled. It's going to give you gratification. And what was the lie? The lie, the end of that story was, instead of God, do this, Right? Instead of finding your sufficiency in your Creator and the one who loves you and cares about you. And when He says don't, it's because He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. <laughs> when He says do, it's because He wants to, to help you. That's how the teenagers this week is the Bible uh, a book of do's and don'ts. Well, you know, we don't really like that concept, but it really is. It's taught of the first two human beings. And we chafe against that, right? And we say, well, you know, um, come to our church because we don't teach that the Bible is a book of do's and don'ts. Well, look, I don't say that because if God says, do this, it's because he loves us and he wants to help us. If God says, don't do this, he knows it's going to harm us. And so God does say, do this and don't do this at times, doesn't he? But you know what it's really about? It's because he, he wants you to have joy in him. It's not about a list of rules. Just because God is thinking, you know, I'm in charge here, so I'm going I'm to stay up long and, 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 uh, and, and thoughtful to think about ways I can make human beings miserable. It's a God who says, hey, I made it all. There's one who's constantly lying, trying to undermine everything that's good. I've given you all this to enjoy. And I just said, don't fall into this pit here. And what do we want to do as people? Well, you know, just... Uh, man. I'm not going to go along with something that just is a bunch of do's and don'ts. If that's all it is, yeah, I can understand. But when God does say, and when God says no, it's, it, it's going to be wonderful. Those things aren't grievous to us, because we understand He loves us, right? 
If you love me, keep my commandments. You know why? Because the things that I say, do, and don't, they reflect who I am. They reflect who I am. It's not a matter of, you know, people trying to, to micromanage people's lives and, you know, you know, preach you into submission. Look, I encourage you to walk before the Lord individually. You learn His Word. I'll try to be faithful to, to preach it, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not God in any way, shape, or form in your life. I'm just... I just try to give you what God says to encourage you, Christian, to, for you to, to make choices before Him and to walk in joy. To walk in joy. You know where joy is found? Joy is found in that close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved, proceed in the joy of your salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It is your strength. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Habakkuk 3.18 says, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And it's really a theme throughout the Bible. Sometimes we look at one verse that we hear a lot. We think, oh, that's the only place in the Bible that says that. But usually those big themes, those big themes, they're all throughout the Scriptures. That's one of the great things about reading through the Bible. You see these repeated themes over and over again. And then the Bible comments on itself and it backs itself up. And, and the joy of the Lord, it is your strength. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Isn't it interesting when you look at the armor? The salvation is, is, is compared to what piece of the armor? You remember? The what of salvation? Right, brother. Yeah, the helmet of salvation. Now, why is that? Because... In the joy of our salvation, the helmet of salvation, it protects our mindset. Right? It protects our mindset. It keeps our mind where it should be. Because there's a lot of things that will distract your mind, Christian. And it will get your mind in the wrong place and it will steal your joy. It will steal your joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And, look, and listen to this. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a theme that's all throughout the Bible. And uh, the joy of the Lord will protect you from every assault on your joy. Now look, people sometimes threaten to assault your joy. I made a decision, and, 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 and for the most part, I, I, I keep this decision. I, I will not let people steal my joy. I won't let them steal my joy. I'll pray for them that they get joy, too. Okay, but I'm not going to let somebody that's not joyful steal my joy. Hopefully they'll get help with that. If they need to get saved, hopefully they'll get saved. If they need the joy of their salvation restored, hopefully they'll get that restored. But don't let anybody steal your joy. How can a person really have recourse to steal your joy? They shouldn't, if you have Jesus. Keep your eyes on that. Situations. The dark one himself. Concepts of death. Sickness. Old age. Church problems. <laughs> you know, my family, we went through one particular church problem that threatened to steal, steal our joy. My prayer through that Without going into the details of it, my prayer through it was that my sons would not lose the joy of their Savior through that. 
You know, the thing that I, want, that, I, that I was worried, I guess, the most is that they become disillusioned with Jesus. But Jesus didn't do anything wrong. People do dumb things. Jesus does not. Jesus blood-bought the church. Don't give up on the church because of what people do. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And uh, I know that there's a, there's a, uh, a man who's done a lot for, you know, we talked about music at the beginning, um, Ron Hamilton, and, and uh, he's, 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 he's probably not going to live a whole lot longer. And pretty much his, his mind is, you know, um, with, with, I think it's Alzheimer's and so on. And they say a lot of times when somebody gets in that condition, what was really in their heart comes out in great magnitude. And if you, her, her, her husband, her, uh, sorry, um, his wife sometimes um, puts videos of him and stuff on there, them as a family. And he is like the most joyful person <laughs> in his condition you could imagine. And it's just, it's amazing. And, and I just think that, that, that God, through his grace, has allowed for him, even in the condition that he's in, to maintain, you know, the joy of the Lord and spread that joy around him. But uh, March 1st. March 1st, uh, the last post, Brooklyn is home. She passed peacefully and comfortably in the early morning hours of March 1st. Thank you to all who have followed and shared my sister's story over the last two months. Brooklyn's greatest desire was for people to hear about Jesus and to know without a shadow of a doubt where they will go when they die. It's our hope and prayer that you will know Jesus too. Both Brooklyn and our family have been so overwhelmed and touched by all of your encouraging words and stories. We are in awe of how the Lord has used Brooklyn in such difficult time to minister to hundreds of thousands of people as she demonstrated the joy of the Lord. The Lord is good. We are so amazed and humble and grateful. God has, got, God has allowed my incredible sister to share the love of Jesus with people all around the world. We love Brooklyn so very much and she will be greatly missed. However... We also look forward to the day when we will be reunited with her in heaven. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. The world needs to see Christians who are joyful to the end, come what may, because of what they have in Jesus. Truly, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now you think about the story of Brooklyn. If she had chosen to do it differently, think of the people that wouldn't have been impacted within her sphere of influence the way that they were. Whatever you're going through, Christian, there's people who need God who are watching your life. One of the most tremendous implications of a joyful Christian is the impact they can have on the lives of others as they see your unwavering joy that can only come through walking with your Savior. Let's pray.